0: Good morning. This is John Richardson speaking with you from Toronto, Canada. Today is Friday, January 20th, 2023. And normally I would at this moment, I think, be having a discussion with Keith Redmond and Anthony Perrant. But today, Anthony Perrant is not with us, resuming next Monday. Uh, But I understand that Keith has a topic that he thought would be suitable for a podcast based on a post which appeared in his American Expatriates Facebook group a couple of days ago. So I will turn this over to Keith for the purpose of framing the issue and generating the discussion today. So thanks, Keith. And how are you today?
1: I'm good. No, thank you for this opportunity, because um, there was a post that I put up uh, just distinguishing between what an American immigrant is Versus a short term American expat and how they get grouped into one particular bucket, if you will. And not so much the original post, but the evolution of the thread of comments. There was a comment that came that was posted in regards to RBT not being very, if you will, simple to implement, even though the rest of the world practices RBT. And there was an example that was raised in regards to. American pensioners, meaning Americans who live in the United States, who retire and draw their pension from the United States and move to, for example, in this particular uh, comment to France and how that particular population would be adversely affected by RBT. Hence, what I gleaned was that RBT is not that simple. So I am a little bit bewildered by that because... The majority of Americans overseas would benefit from RBT and there would be a small portion of Americans overseas that would possibly not benefit. But wouldn't it be the case that they could continue to be U.S. tax residents if the U.S. went to RBT? Hence the reason why I wanted to have this discussion with you, because I'm a bit naive on this particular issue as compared to you. So what do you think, John?
0: Well, I'm not sure exactly what the precise question is. What do I think? Um, Well, about the complexity of RBT. Well, I think first of all, um, I don't think any tax system is necessarily simple. Uh, I certainly think that RBT is far more simple than citizenship taxation, or at least in its effects. But I think that when it comes to the American mindset, you know, there's a saying, uh, the, originally, uh, the difficult we do today, uh, the impossible takes a little longer. I think that was sort of something that came from the uh, Marines. I think that from an American tax policy point of view, uh, I think it's more like uh, the difficult we do today, the simple takes a little longer. Um, because, you know, the reality is that clearly a uh, resident space taxation is a far more uh, is a simpler system in the sense that it at least aligns tax residency with some sort of a presence in the country or connection. Uh, One might say, well, citizenship is easier because it's a deemed form of tax residency, but the problem with using citizenship as the criterion for tax residency, it makes the application of the tax system far, far more difficult. Uh, because of the, you know, demonization of everything foreign, etc. But in any case, uh, there's little doubt that there's a reason why the United States is the only country in the world that has status-based taxation, meaning citizenship. uh, And that's because it's indescribably unjust. And I think ultimately unworkable. But that said, so... You know, I've been involved in this tax reform discussion for many years, and there have been all kinds of proposals for changing the system, uh, most of which uh, have not really been a move to residency-based taxation. A move to residency-based taxation would mean that citizenship would no longer be relevant for tax residency, period, uh, the way it is in the rest of the world. But there is this sort of you know, objection coming from um, U.S. citizens who want to retire abroad uh, and they're worried that a shift to residency-based taxation would mean that they would automatically be shifted over to being treated as non-resident aliens and the effect of that would be that they would be subject to what in many circumstances could be a higher tax regime for them. So that's, that's the basic concern. Right. Um, I think that that is not a concern at all, because what we're talking about with that group of people are people who would be in the citizenship taxation system and they're worried about being shifted over to a different tax system. And every country that I'm aware of, uh, when people leave the country, um, they don't automatically get shifted out, okay? They generally have to take some step to formally uh, in-tax residency in country A and become a tax resident of country B. That would be the situation in Canada, for example. So bottom line, you know, these so-called retirees abroad are concerned about this. All they do is they just keep filing their 1040s. That's it.
1: So in other other words, uh, by keep filing their 1040s, they are themselves declaring themselves still tax residents of the united states
0: absolutely absolutely i mean you know they 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 were tax residents of the united states their whole lives and they want right to in the environment. they just keep being tax residents of the united states you know in other words they don't take any step to sever tax residency at all and every proposal that i've seen which i will call a sort of a relief to the citizenship taxation provisions whether it's you know the holding bill, which wasn't really RBT or, right. or any of the other things that have been suggested, uh, including things that we at C at C have actually written on this, would require an affirmative act on the part of the US citizen uh, to declare themselves a non resident. And all those people do is they just keep going right on, you know, filing their 1040s. So my
1: question to you is, just from a layman's point of view, is let's say the U.S. does go to RBT, residency-based taxation, and that American pensioner retiree in France would continue filing their U.S. tax return. Okay, Would there need to be any adjustment with, let's say, the U.S.-France tax treaty to ensure that they could continue doing that if the U.S. changes to RBT?
0: You know, you asked me that before the call, and I haven't had yeah. time to go over the treaty particularly. But my initial reaction to that is no, absolutely not, uh, because uh, the treaty provisions here are based on citizenship, primarily right. Right? the benefit to U.S. citizens residing in France. I think right, U.S. citizens residing right. in France with respect to U.S. investment income, which is I think what it is, so. You know, the U.S. moves to RBT. I mean, how does that affect the treaty provision? It doesn't. Why? We have a U.S. citizen residing in France, right? Mm-hmm. Still, yeah. you know, with, with this U.S. source investment income. Okay. So, it's not, I mean, it's not immediately apparent to me that that would make any difference at all. But, uh, you know, caveat again, okay? I mean, I didn't, uh, you know, reacquaint myself with the provisions of that tax treaty this morning before our call.
1: And it could be any of the tax treaties. You know, we're just using France as an example. Um, But um, I know that the different tax treaties have different, uh, how would you say, uh, different uh, criteria, if you will, for American pensioners living in that particular country. And France happens to be a a good country for Americans to retire to.
0: Well, France has an exceptional tax treaty that really is completely indefensible, uh, I think. Indefensible. Uh, indefensible indefensible in the sense that it you know it, it it gives benefits to u.s citizens living in france that are not available to u.s citizens living in other countries right so in that sense yeah i think it's i think it's indefensible um i mean i think it's good for that don't get me wrong right. Right. i mean you know if i were a u.s citizen looking for a place to retire france would definitely be at the top of the list mm-hmm. you know for that reason you know if i wanted to live there right uh, but, but just, uh, you know, as, as an add-on here, not every U.S. citizen retiring abroad necessarily becomes a tax resident of that other country as well, right? So, I mean, you know, is right. always a very contextually specific type of thing. But the, let me just repeat, the bottom line here is that the simple answer to people who are worried about all of a sudden being deemed to be non-resident aliens you know, and moved into a different tax regime. Um, I don't think that's something they should be concerned about because all they do is they just stay in the U.S. tax system. I was born an American. I've lived as an American. I've always been taxed as an American. And by God, I will die under the citizenship tax regime. (laughs) I love it. Right. And And they can can do do
1: that if it's more beneficial to them. That has nothing to do with transitioning to RBT. They just continue doing what they They just doing. don't
0: transition to RBT. They just don't. Okay. Trans-
1: That's all. Okay. Yeah. I think it's just, uh, you know, I have a concern sometimes where individuals would make proclamations that really have, in my view, no basis for the proclamation without doing their due diligence to really take a look at the nuts and bolts of what is being proclaimed if that all makes sense well it it makes
0: sense but whether people do their due diligence or not the complexity of the thing is so great that no very few people would understand it anyway which which really i think is precisely the point here okay yeah that you know the u.s tax system is so indescribably complicated especially for americans abroad right because you know the way they're taxed uh uh, you know, is really in no man's land and, and in many ways impacted by the kind of tax treaty they have in the country they live in, et cetera. But these are arguments for, you know, for simplicity. These are arguments for getting out of the citizenship tax regime. Uh, I mean, as, as a matter of tax policy in the United States so that, you know, American citizens have the same sort of general world mobility that citizens of any other country have.
1: Right. And able to live a normal financial life in wherever they choose to live.
0: Well, I mean, it's it's pretty clear, given the number of years this has been going on, that uh, the United States does not want um, a regulatory regime that, that encourages people to leave the United States. I mean, that's very, very clear. Uh, I mean. And. and you know, I'm not exactly sure what the reason is. I mean, a lot of it clearly is rooted in the idea that if an American moves from the United States, they're somehow running from some kind of obligation,
1: right? You know, or I mean, it's it's
0: very very strange.
1: Um, yeah, it's admitted that uh, it, 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 there's it's, as I wrote uh, an article a number of years ago for CNBC there's this unusual American phenomenon that if you are an American living outside the United States, that what you just said, you must be running away for something or committing some type of, or doing some type of nefarious activity, which is so far from the truth.
0: Well, we're trying to live as a free person, right? Which is the antithesis of unfortunately what America has become. Um, But it's, it's a very significant problem. Um, Generally, Ta- America is a culture of taxation. Okay, yeah, uh, and I don't even think there's a close second, right? For for most um, people in their lives, you know, they live under some kind of a tax system that, you know, it, it's there, and you know, they live with it. They don't necessarily like it, but they don't. It's not the first thing they think about every day, right? Um, right. Americans are different. Uh, it is. You know, taxation is what America's, I think, has evolved into basically, and it's it's not only the complexity of the tax system; it's the uh, it's the role that it plays in a democracy that is so uh, driven by political parties and partisanship, right? Because You know, every U.S. tax, every law now, you know, comes down to how is this going to be paid for and who's going to be taxed in this way or that way.
1: Right. Which is horrible Uh,
0: to look at. And then we have, though, the in addition to that, we have the absolutely clear weaponization of tax in the United States, Um, both both political parties. Right. I mean, there's obviously. um you know, it was statistically impossible for both of those people involved in the Trump investigation to have been audited, right? Uh, you know, so we, you know, we've had the Republicans do it, but this thing that uh Representative Neal did, um, you know, this forcing the disclosure of Trump tax returns. I mean, whether you agree with the policy or not, is the clear weaponization of the tax system, right? Um and you know this is extraordinary stuff right and then of course we have and it's getting worse and worse right because the, we have the the passport revocation provisions right right uh etc so this is uh, you know this is a big problem and america definitely needs tax reform i think that the treatment of americans abroad is probably the most visible indicator of it of the problem <clears throat> right absolutely but it's 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 really it's a horrible thing. I would recommend anybody who's you know interested in this, even even modestly interested in it, I would recommend Charles Adams' book, uh, Taxes and Civilization. Uh, it's an ama- absolutely amazing book, where he really uh, has the you know develops his theory that the history of civilizations is directly tied to the history of their tax policies. And at the end of the book, he gives 27 uh, examples of things that are particularly worrisome. And if you were to read just those 27 examples, you'd see it's exactly what the United States is about today. All of them. Yeah. And so I must say. Have- it's collapsing under its own weight, under the tax yeah. policies, right?
1: And I must add another dimension to this that, you know, as many people know, and as you know, I go back and forth knowing both the French and the U.S. system and not just the tax system, but also the, uh, how would I say, the attitude when it comes to the two different systems. For example, in France, as you said, people go about and they pay their taxes. It's not the first thing on their mind and they take care of it and they're able to address any issues. Face to face with the French tax authorities, whereas in the U.S. And when I spend time there, I see all these commercials on TV. The IRS is going to come after you. You need to do this. Beware of the IRS. They will take all their money. It's based on also a culture of fear that's also incorporated into this whole situation when it comes to the U.S. tax system. And well, that and that, you know, and that is. um that's expressed outside the United States where a lot of Americans overseas are scared to death because yeah. this culture of fear is promulgated.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's an interesting thing. I mean, I have, a, I have a few thoughts on that. Um, first of all, uh, I mean, America is a very overlawed country, right? Too many laws. Uh, and it's largely because there's 50 States, right? So you have the laws of the States and you have a federal government. federal law. Right. You know, and you have all the regulations and stuff like that. But the American system of laws and American culture is largely based on a presumption of of penalty. Right. Uh, You know, it's, it's sort of a presumption of wrongdoing. And, you know, especially in the area of taxation, presumption of wrongdoing. And, you know, then they have all these exceptions, right, or carve outs. I mean, even if you look at the way the Internal Revenue Code is drafted. Every individual in the world is subject to worldwide taxation, except you can get out of the net if you're a non-resident alien, for example, right? Yeah. Um, And so you have that problem. But you also have the problem that, and I think this is very, very real, is that it's impossible uh, for the average person to even understand what's required of them in the context of taxation, Uh, It really isn't possible. Now, what you're talking about in France, you know, it's a brutally high-tax jurisdiction. But my guess is that people have a better sense of what's actually required. Okay. Yes, they do. Uh, Canada, very, very high tax rates. But I think it's reasonably clear, you know, what's required. And this is reflected, you know, if you were to go to the website and read descriptions from the Canada Revenue Agency about how to handle this and that. Situation. I mean, obviously, it was carefully written, went through drafts, probably focus groups of some kind or another. You know, so it's reasonably understandable, right? But, you know, when it comes to the US situation, it's very, very difficult to understand. Okay. Partly the complexity to begin with. Partly, I don't think there's as much, I, I don't think that the, uh, uh, you know, the information from the IRS is um, perhaps as well written as. As maybe it could be. Um, and then you've got the problem also that, and I find this, you know, very, very interesting, um, is that when people try to figure this stuff out, they never go to the law, right? They, I don't know why this is. They don't go to the law, right? I mean, mm. you know, one would think that you'd begin by reading the Internal Revenue Code, Right, right. Uh, but they don't do that. You know, they go and they find some, you know, half-assed article online, you know, et, et cetera, et cetera, which may be, may be accurate, may not be accurate, may have degrees of accuracy, uh, you know, et cetera. So, what well, we're left with a situation where nobody knows what they're required to do, but they do understand there's a penalty if they mess it up, Right. Yes. And, you know, it creates tremendous uh, and I think completely unjustifiable anxiety. The, there's no doubt in my mind that the, the, you know, when the history of the United States is written, that the tax system is going to be described as having played a major role. Um, and, you know, and by the way, if you were to look at the Biden Green Book, you know, these, which came out in March for 2023, Yeah. A number of the things that he was proposing, right, were things that were already happening to Americans abroad. All right. You know, we're sort of rooted in that, uh, you know, interest on imaginary tax deferral and all kinds of stuff. So Americans abroad need to understand that in a sense that the canaries in the coal mine and that sooner or later, the kinds of obscene policies that are inflicted on Americans abroad are going to are going to be arriving in the homeland. Yeah. So go going- but Keith, here here's the thing. Yeah. Okay. You know, our part of it. I, I want to make sure we get this into discussion. That you know, as you know, I've been concerned about this for many years and you know, i have done what I could from a you know an educational perspective. Yeah, you know, I mean, etc. But the the problem is that this kind of change is only possible if a critical mass of Americans get together and demand the change, and the change that required is not a change in their personal situation. Okay, you know, I don't like the PFIC rules. I don't like the CFC rules. I don't right. like the fa- the application of FATCA to my local bank accounts. Right? Yeah. These are all manifestations of the problem of citizenship taxation, and in my view, the only way. That this can change is for all Americans abroad, or you know, or all people affected by this, regardless of how they identify, as getting together to demand that the U.S. end citizenship taxation and move to the world standard of residence based taxation. And they must stop, you know, just lobbying for things that help them and them only. All right. I mean, they are, you know, the special interest groups. You know, the people who are looking for, you know, one aspect of the problem to be solved are every bit as much of the problem, you know, as the United States government, because, you know, they're not willing. You know, just, you know, it's it's as though Americans abroad have effectively divided and conquered themselves by not by their unwillingness to come together under the banner of, hey, citizenship taxation has to end. Or do you disagree? No,
1: in other words, you have to remove the cancer. The cancer needs to be removed. Everything, that's right?
0: Yeah, that's exactly. You know?
1: that's and the, uh, uh yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And that's where the focus really needs to be collectively.
0: Yeah, but I, I you know, I, are we going to get there? I mean, it's been a lot of years. You tell me why it's so incredibly difficult. I mean, you know, you, you and I are both members of SEED. And I think that we are really the only organization focused on eradicating the cancer, citizenship taxation. Why? I mean, this is a, a true mystery to me. If citizenship taxation is the problem, okay, why is it so difficult to get people to unite against that? Maybe you can tell me, and by the way, before you answer, uh-huh. to be clear, the only contextual meaning that citizenship taxation has, okay, yeah, yeah the imposition of U.S. taxation on the non-U.S. source income of non-residents. That's the only thing it means, right? I mean, the U.S. will always be able to tax its source income. The U.S. has rules for residency. It will always be able to tax people based on residence. So what does citizenship taxation mean? There's no application to residents or U.S. source income it's application only to people who don't live in the United States on their non-U.S. source income. That's all it means.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you ask a logical question. I wish I could give a logical answer, but I can only give an answer based on my experience over these past 12-plus past years. And I truly believe that one of the aspects that stops any transition is this, this idea of patriotism that's linked to citizenship-based taxation. That you're not a good American unless you are filing and paying any taxes that may be owed to the United States, no matter where you are in the world, because as you say, by God, you're an American and it's your American duty to do so. And I think patriotism and CBT go hand in hand in a very obscure, skewed way. That I think that play puts a uh, uh, makes it more difficult, if you will. Well, that's my that's my view on it.
0: Yeah, I think that, that you know that's an aspect of it. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that U.S. citizenship is primarily about taxation. Primarily, uh, it is the world's only true taxation-based citizenship. Uh, it is uh, probably one of the very, very few cultures of the world that, that, I mean, you know, it's, it's extraordinary what a big role tax plays in the life of an American. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's really,
0: there's really nothing like it. I mean, in other places, and these are other places, very high tax jurisdictions, you know, it's, you know, it's a system, at least they can understand it. They may not love it, but they understand it. And it kind of, I guess because they can understand it, and because they're not under constant threat of penalty, right? Um, you know, maybe it frees them up to, you know, kind of live their lives in productive ways. One of the most interesting things that I've heard from people who were US citizenship is they say, my God, it's it's so unbelievably freeing. I mean, I don't have to worry about all of this anymore. I have so much more time and productivity on my hands. I feel like I've been reborn. You know, I mean, I think that everybody should have the opportunity. Everybody wants to live a full and meaningful life should have the opportunity to live part of it without being a U.S. citizen.
1: Yeah, and to be able to invest freely, save freely. Well, most- U.S.
0: citizenship is without a doubt a citizenship of limitation. All right. It's it's a disability.
1: Well, now, especially a disability particularly the outside United, the U.S., particularly it, outside the U.S.
0: Well, it's, it's not a disability in the United States, okay? Right, right. Uh, you know, because then, because then you're effectively in a residence-based taxation system, okay? Right. Um, but, US, but it is a disability outside the United States because of the, you know, the, the severe restrictions uh, that apply to one who is a U.S. citizen. And some of these are legal restrictions you know, based on the tax code or, you know, things like the Corrupt Foreign Practice Act, you know, that sort of stuff. But there's also increasingly social restrictions, right, and business restrictions. Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, I've helped people expatriate because they, you know, they're not permitted to buy into businesses as an American citizen. You know, people just don't want the toxicity. Um, there's a very well-known, highly respected, you um, uh, you know, sort of, uh, uh, we call a state planning lawyer, um, practices outside the United States. She wrote an article about, um, you know, the discussion uh, that she has with clients who are uh, married. I asked to renounce their citizenship, right? You know, as as part of the as part of the marriage deal and stuff like that. So, you know. American citizenship, unfortunately, I mean, I think that all theoretically all citizenships start off equally. But, you know, if you value you evaluate citizenships largely in terms of mobility and enhancing life opportunities, and that's what these, you know, like the Henleys of the world and you know, these people are sort of in the business of doing, then you know, you really have to understand that u.s citizenship is a huge detriment and limiting factor to go you know to being able to live outside the united states right i mean it's okay if you live in the united states right right? or and i will
1: interrupt and it's okay for those americans overseas who are going to be living outside the united states for two to three years on assignment or something of that sort that's not much of a problem but for american emigrants with an e and, and, you know, who are living overseas indefinitely or permanently, it's a major problem, a well, major that's problem. Well, because the
0: former group, you know, they're, all of their financial planning and retirement planning is, you know, in accordance with the U.S. US tax, right? right. Right. And the problem with the U.S. tax system is that it, you know, makes it very, very difficult for people who are trying to do this planning under another tax system, uh, you know, to effectively do that. Right. And this is another huge right. dividing line. Now, there was an interesting Twitter feed. Of few days ago. uh, I mean, I wasn't participating in it, but I noted it as being a great interest where there was sort of a, you may have been involved in this one, actually, there was a discussion between, uh, you know, I think you and others and somebody clearly identified as being more of a US centric person about,
1: you know, the price
0: US it was 10. a gentle.
1: It was a gentleman who retired from the OECD,
0: yeah, something like that. But I mean, whoever yeah. it was, uh, it was clear that person had no understanding, correct, of what the problem was. It was also clear the reason the person had no under. I mean, it was a very seemed like a very nice, intelligent man. Okay, you know, but but the reason that it seemed to me he had no understanding of the problem was because he had not been in the position of having to do his financial retirement planning and that stuff under a system of tax laws that was not the US tax laws, right? I mean, I think that was pretty clear. Yeah. So, and this is another huge division among the Americans abroad, right? Is the ones who, you know, the the ones who have the biggest problem here, right? Are the ones who, um, whether they live permanently outside the United States or not, the fact is that in their formative working years, they are living outside the United States as tax residents of another country, and they are trying to do their retirement and financial planning in accordance with that country's laws, right? Right. Those, and they're in the US tax system, and they're in the US tax system. I mean, that is just a nightmare, okay? An absolute nightmare. You know, the difficulty of that situation, uh, those who catch it early enough may be able to plan around it to some degree, those who don't catch it early enough, you know, I think are headed for very, very serious problems. But this is another huge dividing line, right, among you know all of these different groups. And you know, the one it's interesting to me that the group that gets no respect, no concern, uh, no consideration is interestingly American citizens outside the United States who file U.S. taxes religiously and are tax residents of other countries nobody cares about them particularly the us when they're the ones who are trying to comply with their laws
1: and they're the ones who have the major
0: problems absolutely but they're the ones who are trying their best to comply you know the one you know somehow rather the culture of this has turned into you know it's the ones who don't comply you know that should be given all the consideration or something and i just think it's i mean it's a you know i think the point here is this that Everybody's affected by this in different ways. Everybody's Mm -hmm. got to come together and change it. And the failure to do that creates sort of a divide and conquer sort of thing. But I find it fascinating that the group that gets the least respect, consideration, or help are the ones who are trying to comply. That amazes me.
1: It does. It does. And, you know, and it makes the other groups, you know, the other people who are not in the U.S. tax system look at it and say, where's the incentive? Where's the incentive to comply? These are people who have the problems, the ones who are in the system. Why would I subject myself to that? And that's what happens as well.
0: Well, you know, yeah, I mean, that's a personal decision, obviously. Well, yeah, it is. But yeah, it's a logical
1: it's a logical
0: uh, conclusion but, but- to make. Yeah, quick. there's absolutely no question here, absolutely no question that the people who are absolutely being destroyed by this are the people who are tax residents of other countries, file taxes in other countries, do their financial planning in accordance with the laws of other countries, and attempt U.S. tax compliance. Right. Those are the ones who are just in, right. you know a completely unworkable situation.
1: Right. So let me ask you, John, so to go back to the original premise of RBT is difficult and not easy to implement. I remember a while ago, and I'd like to pose a question to you. I remember a while ago, you had said that it, if I'm, if I'm correct, that it could be actually quite simple. It would just be a question of the Department of Treasury changing the definition of what a u.s taxpayer is and by changing that definition it can be rbt
0: yeah so yeah i, I that is absolutely my position the, uh, and this was uh, you know reflected in an article that i wrote with uh, dr karen albert and dr laura snyder uh, right it was i think it was called a regulatory fix for citizenship taxation i think
1: but whatever right. was so ago. why the difficulty you know it's a rhetorical question but still why the difficulty
0: why the difficulty let me just be clear on why this is possible okay so we start off with the internal revenue code all right which says all individuals on the planet are subject to you know worldwide taxation right now that's such a broad bizarre statement that we have a treasury regulation that defines what individual is right i mean it's so absurd right you know that the treasury yeah. has a regulation that defines what they mean by individual and yeah. the way they define individual is as a citizen or a resident citizen or resident okay uh-huh. Uh-huh. and you know my point is you know I'm, I'm the most simple-minded person i know to the point where some days i wonder if i have any mind at all but uh, <laughs> but but in any case uh you know the very fact the treasury has already defined individual showing that they know they can define individual and all they really need to do is define individual as somebody who, you know, uh, is an American abroad, whatever that means, you know, in other words, people who don't live in the United States, they can do this. Yeah. Now, why (laughs) will they not do it? Well, you know.
1: Well, it goes back to what we were talking about before. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I don't think there's any one reason. I think that, yeah. you know, part of the problem is that, you know, these policy makers, are, they're Americans, okay? And and therefore, they have trouble. You know, first of all, they operate in what I would call, uh, uh, you know, sort of a, a cultural assumption of punishment. People are always trying to get away with something. Secondly, it's simple if you just say anybody who's a citizen You know, makes it simple. You don't have to get into a tax residency discussion, particularly, or, you know, a facts and circumstances discussion. Um, I think that a lot of it, I think that there's a a sense that taxation is designed to be punitive, um, et cetera. But on that note, I think there's another point that we need to make here. And that is, you know, we probably, I probably uttered the word tax over 100 times in the last few minutes with you. Tax system, but you know, Keith, the truth is that tax codes are may include provisions of taxation, but they're really about a lot more. Okay. And they're mostly about more than tax now, I think. I mean, the part of the internal revenue code that deals with the straight taxation. Well, it's there. But Mm -hmm. so much of it has to do with carve-outs, exceptions, you know, 401k type things, you know, deferral, blah, 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 blah. So tax what, what people call tax should really be renamed um, why don't we call it social control social control they'll call it the social control and incentive and incentives act the social control and incentives act right so what we do is we encourage certain lifestyles so that you're uh, you know not hit with a certain type of tax we encourage savings in certain ways through 401ks or you know this this type of stuff, right, is sort of a social engineering thing. We give, you know, tax benefits to certain people based on marital status or we punish them based on marital status. Uh, You know, and fundamentally, we, you know, we incorporate certain cultural assumptions, you Mm -hmm. know, into these tax codes, you know, et cetera. So my point is that taxation is not, it includes taxation, but that's not primarily what it's about, right? It's about encouraging reinforcing and punishing certain kinds of behavior and when you have and this is not just another reason why tax code should not have extraterritorial application because you know what you're then doing is punishing or encouraging certain types of behavior in other countries you're also with the U.S. tax system encouraging or punishing uh, tax systems that aren't compatible with the U.S. tax system for example Right. You'd be aware of this because you're familiar with the French situation, the way the foreign tax credit rules work. Well, you know, the U.S. has all yeah, this is reasonable. You know, have all these rules for what constitutes a tax. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, this is going to pressure other countries to, you know, have their taxes and perhaps aligned in certain ways. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. You know, I mean, really, <laughs> you know, this has got to get back to basis. And this, by the way, is why. As a general principle, I think this fair tax initiative that's being discussed, you know, I'm not I don't know where it will go, but it's very useful in that what it has done is and will continue to do, I think, is force a discussion of what taxation really should be. Right. Right. I mean, you know, should taxation be a bad, you know, a backhanded form of criminal law? You know, if you can't get somebody on a certain charge, anybody can be gotten on tax evasion. Anybody, okay. Uh, you know, because of the complexity, uh, you know, the coast, should it be about that? I mean, should taxation really be about uh, incentivizing certain forms of financial planning? I mean, is it about, you know, rewarding the mutual fund industry, for example, right?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: you know, so, going on and on and on. and And the thing about, you know, something like the fair tax, which again, I'm not necessarily promoting that particular tax, but I think what people are missing about it is that it returns taxation to taxation.
1: Right, there's a certain simplicity in it that makes it uh, more workable.
0: Yeah, I mean, is it a tax code or is it about something else? Yeah. You know, I mean, tax should be about tax, okay? Let's get tax back to tax. And, you know, stop using it as a way, a backhanded way to do all kinds of other things you know, including uh, Americans abroad, you know, who invest in non-U.S. mutual funds? I mean, really? I mean, should the tax code be used as a way to punish people who invest locally?
1: Yeah, that's a, it's it appalling. Is, it really no, is. It's appalling. And that's,
0: really appalling.
1: Right. And that's, that's why...
0: And it is so bad in the United States. It is so egregious that the simple factor, as I often say, the fact of the matter is, is that the Internal Revenue Code is now the Constitution of the United States, <laughs> right? I mean, you can have constitutional rights in every other area except taxation, right? Yeah. Of course, not even taxation, but anything they call taxation by being by putting in the Internal Revenue Code. <laughs> but I don't, you know, foresee change soon or easily because the truth is that Americans love their taxation. Yeah. They wouldn't recognize themselves without it. I mean, what would the average American do if there were a shift in the tax code where they, you know, they had weeks and weeks of time freed up every year because they didn't to fill out forms? What would they do with their time?
1: Don't know how to answer that one. It would be no. nice. Yeah, it would be nice. So you know, the bottom line is what really makes RBT uh, complex is the lack of cohesiveness amongst Americans overseas in coming together to fight this injustice.
0: That's um, what makes it that, complex. That, that's, what, that's what getting from A to B is. But you know, yeah. I'm reminded of, of Winston Churchill's comment that you know, democracy is the worst form of government except for all the other forms of government. And why don't we say it this way? You know, RBT is the worst form of taxation except for all the other forms of taxation, taxation okay? Right. I mean, obviously, 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 okay? You know, the moral jurisdiction to tax, and sooner or later, it does get back to morality, okay? The moral jurisdiction to tax, the only moral jurisdiction to tax is because you have some kind of physical economic connection to a certain and jurisdiction, all right? You know, that's where we are, because honestly, if we, you know, when we understand that what citizenship taxation is, it's a U.S. claim they can tax non-U.S. source income earned by people who don't even live in the United States. It's a status based form of tax residency. I see no difference between that and taxing based on blue eyes. Yeah, there's none. No, there isn't. None. And now I'm not saying the United States is immoral. It's it's worse. It's amoral. Okay, meaning that morality doesn't even have anything to do with the issue. And this is perfectly expressed in Section 1 of the Internal Revenue, because every individual on the planet is subject to worldwide taxation, except for in Section 2, an exception for non-resident aliens, okay? You know, I mean, just the, you know, the starting off that way, although perhaps wasn't as offensive in another error, when I suppose this stuff was drafted. It is drafted. It is, so, it is so indescribably absurd. So in, in conclusion, what do we conclude from this? Um, what we conclude is that unless all the group of people who perceive themselves as affected by this are willing to come together under the banner that the solution is for the United States to stop claiming people of other countries as their tax residences, tax uh, residents based only on place of birth or something like that, that, then I don't see success in the future on this. Because when we have Group A is saying, well, when we have all these other people saying, well, I don't mind citizenship taxation. I just mind how it affects me in this particular way. And when we have all of these people wanting a carve out for themselves, right? Or similarly situated people, why would the US do anything at all? I mean, you know, the individual groups of Americans abroad are fighting it out themselves, (laughs) demonstrating there's no agreement on the fundamental principle. And that is exactly what's happening today. And I mean, just to show the absurdity of this, okay. I mean, you know, I, I, I will begin this by saying that I'm fundamentally an independent, okay, if I'm anything politically, all right. But, you know, yeah. there's this fair tax thing, you know, under discussion now, right? So, Republican Congress introduces the fair tax, which, you know, is a, a different way of looking at taxation. And I think it right. has a lot of things going for it. I think it's very, very reasonable. But one thing that's fascinating about this is that it would be a quick and permanent fix for the problem of Americans abroad, right? Yes. Because if you move to a, a sales tax based system and the sales tax is based on consumption in the United States, uh, you know, then obviously, you know, the Americans abroad thing ceases to be an issue. So I'm looking at Twitter last night and Democrats abroad Canada. This is unreal unreal okay starts tweeting about you know I didn't, I didn't say this quite directly but you know the the message is very very clear these evil Republicans have proposed this this sales based tax that might get rid of the IRS hello this is Democrats abroad Canada maligning the Republicans for doing something that would be a solution for Americans abroad I mean are they completely out of their minds?
1: They are. They yeah. are. And that's and that's another that's another fundamental problem of these uh, certain American overseas organizations, because they act like they're living in the United States and they are not.
0: They're well, living it, it, outside it, it, the United States. The, it's organizations, a mentality. the organizations, I think, are based in the United States or from Homeland abroad. But I have a suggestion for any Americans abroad who are listening to this podcast. You get in touch with these groups, Democrats abroad, can you? you tell them how offended you are by their outright hostility to policies that clearly would solve the problems of Americans abroad. I mean, I was just shocked. It's one thing for them to keep their mouths shut. okay, But it's another right. thing to jump right in and criticize anybody who puts any bill in Congress that clearly would solve the problems of Americans abroad. Maybe they're just so maybe they just don't even understand any of this. I mean, that's entirely possible, too. That could be that could be. But it shows you how another dimension of the problem here. You know, we talk about the problems of of factions of Americans abroad. Well, uh, I mean, the you know, what I call the partyocracy, right, of American politics, where (laughs) apparently politics is no longer about helping individuals or a vision for no, no. What politics is about is a sideshow going on twenty four seven, where Republicans fight Democrats and Democrats fight Republicans, and that's yeah. it. And frankly, tax policy is too important to even be allowed to be part of the discussion or platform of any political party. Okay, they don't understand it well enough. That you know their concern is with weaponizing it, and you know I think that. Uh, you know, I, I think that the best thing that could possibly happen for American politics, and this would be a beginning, would be to find a way to prohibit the executive branch from ever being populated by somebody who's a member of a political party. The political party should not even be able to nominate candidates for president. Yeah, I mean, it's so crazy.
1: Well, like you said, and I think this would be a good point to conclude, is at the end of the day, Americans overseas need to come together, regardless of what their party is or is not, and stand up for their rights as Americans overseas, and not succumb to the gaslighting that is going on, and to stand up for residency-based taxation. Full stop. That's it. That's it. Bottom line. Will they do it, Keith? I just don't know. You know, after 12 plus years, you know, I don't see it. And I, I, I don't mean to be negative. I really don't. Um, I would love to be proven wrong. Absolutely. I would love to be proven wrong. Maybe one day that may happen, but not when you have these factions out there who are gaslighting yeah. and you're succumbing to the gaslighting. That is a major problem. But RBT is doable. It's not overly complex. Well, and anybody that says so is part of the problem.
0: I don't understand the same RBT is complex. All tax systems are complex. Are complex. Correct. I mean, you know, it, but I mean, that's not the only issue. I, no, you know, I'm I just putting it, it in very it, simple terms. Yeah, but I mean, don't you think the mor- there's there's uh, maybe we could introduce a topic called something like the morality of taxation?
1: Yeah, sure. That could be another podcast.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, Keith. Well, this has been good. Let's see so, what we got
0: going here.
1: So I think you uh, know, for all the Americans overseas who are listening to this podcast, it's food for thought. You know, we need to come together.
0: I think that that is right. I think that's absolutely right. And I think also that, you know, this sort of reliance on, you know, political parties to solve this is, is very much misguided. There's, you know. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, that's maybe another podcast. All right, Keith. Good. So I call for today, and um,
1: great talking to you. You as well. Thank you. Bye.